could not find one more thing that I was going to be watching on TV. Oh my goodness, finally breaking free from the fun of COVID. And oh, what fun it was. You just never knew what it would be like from one day to the next. One day it was the fever and it was burning up. The next day I was freezing and I was cold. The next day I was lethargic and didn't really feel like doing anything. And then the ultimate cruelty, I woke up and I couldn't taste my coffee. Yeah, that was like, come on, you know, come on, Lord. This is more than, you know, any one person can bear. And again, then it just kind of keeps on coming. And then I was at the place where I couldn't smell anything. And I don't know, y'all, like, it's like a gift, the, uh, the gift in Christmas vacation of the, the enrollment in the Jelly in the Month Club. It's a gift that keeps on giving the whole year through, right? It kind of felt like that. And I was, boy, it was tough. But here I am. Good to be with you. And uh, good to be able to worship together in person. We're glad for all of you that are here in this space. We're certainly glad for all of that are joining us online. We love that we have that tool. We know that it's a blessing uh, to be able to have that for those folks that do need to be home. We're in the second part today of this series called More Than a Feeling, where we are talking about some of the feelings that go along with uh, us as Christians, some of the things we need to accentuate, maybe have more of, and some of the things we maybe need to have a little less of. And the thing we're going to focus on today is that feeling of apathy. And ultimately how we overcome apathy. Because apathy is a real problem for us as Christ followers. But here's the deal with apathy. That we all got to just, we got to understand this because this is why we're talking about it. Apathy itself is a dream killing, ministry busting, love sapping problem in today's church and in our individual lives. And as I've been thinking about this for this series and for this message, this issue of apathy and why it's a problem and ultimately where it comes from, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. And as I have, for me, when I think about what the issue with apathy is and and why it even comes on me sometimes and maybe on all of us, is that apathy comes from getting used to something. We get used to something, we get comfortable with something, and after a time, we grow too comfortable with it, to a place where what happens? We fail to appreciate it. Apathy sets in, and again, our lack of appreciation sets in. And that same thing can happen for us with church, that same thing can happen for us with our relationship with Jesus, and the hard truth is, this COVID season, what I've taken to calling the last year and what feels like forever of time, COVID season has accentuated this problem in a lot of ways. It's made it more difficult to be excited, let's just be honest, to be excited about anything sometimes because we feel like we're just barely making it through. And that creeps into our worship. That creeps into the time and the dedication and the energy that we put into growing our relationship with Christ. And the time and the energy and the dedication we put into gathering together to worship. Now, I've already said, and I'll reiterate, online worship is a great tool, and we are incredibly thankful that we have it. But, it's also pretty easy to get a little too comfortable with that. And lose the sight of the value of gathering together in the same space like this and worshiping. If you're home and you're worshiping online, that's awesome. If you're home and you're worshiping online because you've got some health issues and you're trying to be careful, that's awesome. We are, again, glad that's a tool. Stay home until you feel like it's safe. I want to be sure everybody hears me saying that. 
And at the same time, for all of us, whether we went through that COVID season of online worship for a very short time or for a more prolonged time, let's just be honest, y'all, worshiping in our PJs was easy, right? It was easier, and it was comfortable. And I'm totally cool if you're wearing your PJs today. It's all good with me, right? But we get it, right? Like we know that that's a hard thing to give up, just being comfortable, staying at home. But we also know what happened when we did that for any amount of time. After a time, maybe the first couple of Sundays, boy, we were in it. We were watching. We were paying attention. We were singing along to the songs. Then at some point, we were in the kitchen making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and surfing on our phone while worship was going on. Right? Like everybody did that. And it becomes easy to fall into that level of apathy with something like online worship. And it can even creep into this time when we actually do gather in person. So it's not as if it can only affect us if we're online. It can affect us when we gather on a Sunday and we find ourselves just going through the motions. And y'all, that is no way to bring our worship to the king of the universe. Can I get an amen? Come on, y'all. That is no way to bring worship to him. So we must not allow apathy to thrive in us. But I know that it can happen sometimes. Sometimes we come to church and it's not like our favorite experience. We didn't like the music that day or we didn't like the message that day or whatever it was. And we come away from that just being like, well, you know, I didn't really enjoy worship today. And I love that old Francis Chan quote. He says, uh, well, somebody came up and said that to him. I didn't really enjoy worship. They said, well, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you. I, I wish that I could say that to somebody. I'm just not, I'm not that brave. But I love it. I love it. Because it's so true. Worship is not about us. It's not about our experience. It's about what we bring to God. It's about that energy that we're giving to him that says, Lord, we love you. We are all the way in with you. And so for some folks, we've got to break out of the comfort of staying at home just because it's the easier thing and just kind of checking out just because it's the easier thing. Again, in person or online, that can be a problem. So we've got to battle against it because God deserves better from us than that. We, we cannot allow ourselves to become apathetic about worship. Uh, and, and this kind of leads me to one of my favorite quotes, too, from Chan. That we get caught up in a lot of different things. We get caught up into doing a lot of things. We, we tend to put our energy and our effort into the things we enjoy most. And sometimes church is not fun. And so it's not the thing that we want to prioritize. Sometimes just going for a walk or being with our family or going to Timmy's ball game or whatever it is, that becomes the thing we do. And we start making excuses and say, well, you know, God would want us to be together. God would want our family to have family time. God would want me to be a good dad or a good mom. And all those things are true. But none of those things are worship. They aren't. Going for a walk in the woods is awesome, and it can be worship, but it can't take the place of the gathering of God's people. It can't take the place for the value that comes when we gather as a church. And I'm not just talking about the value for you, like what you get out of it, because we already talked about that piece of it. But the part I didn't say that i got to make sure I say is part of the value of gathering for worship like this, yes, firstly, it's about God. Then it's about, you know, your own personal growth. But it's also about what happens when you're in this space and the interactions that you have with other people. 
they maybe see you worshiping, they interact with you in the service, they talk to you, they, they get some word from you, some blessing, some encouragement, even if it's as simple as a hello, or just the fact that somebody else is here can be an encouragement to them. There is a part that we all play in this that we must not discount. So we cannot put our value in all these other things that are temporary, that are fun and they're great and they have their place, but they're not the ultimate thing. Here's what Chan says. He says, Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And that can be a lot of things. But I can tell you this, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this this morning, y'all. This matters. What we are doing today matters. The devil would love to keep you comfortable and in your PJs and just not doing anything as it relates to your worship. Just having your worship be as, as static as possible and then just watching it degrade from there. That's what he wants. To keep us focused on winning at things in life that don't really matter. So that we feel some level of accomplishment and we feel like some good things are happening in our life. But what do they ultimately add up to? What is ultimately their value? Is there an eternal value to much of the things we pour time, energy, effort, resources into? Most of the time there isn't. But our worship has eternal value. It has temporary value, yes, but it has eternal value. But, man, Satan would just love to keep you feeling apathetic about the whole thing, about worship itself. Some of you may come in this morning. Some of you may be watching online feeling pretty apathetic about this whole church thing. You may find yourself here simply because, well, this is just what we do every Sunday. And you're just kind of going through the motions. You may find yourself here today because a husband, a wife, a mom, or a dad drug you here. You may not even be sure why you're here. But God just woke you up and, and here you are. But those feelings of, of apathy, those feelings of not really knowing your why when it comes to worship, you can grow out of that with the Lord's help. You can move past that. You can overcome apathy. Because listen, I have stories after story after story through the years of people coming up to me and telling me, you know what, I wasn't going to go to church today, but the Lord just spoke to me and I just knew I had to go. I just knew I had to get going. Or stories of husbands that got on fire for Jesus when they had previously been apathetic. Or true stories, wives suddenly taking notes during sermons when previously they had thought that all religious teachers were charlatans. And now they're like taking notes and sharing stuff with me. Like, here's what God really is speaking to me through, through what you said or through what God did today in worship. Like that, that's true stories that have happened because people left apathy behind. They embraced what God was doing in their lives. They overcame their feelings and God grew them through it. And that's my encouragement for us today. Jesus wants you to have more than just a feeling. <laughs> he wants to stir up in you an energy and a worship that is true and authentic and is on fire for Him. He wants that for you. So how do we overcome apathy? Well, I'm going to give you three things and we'll go through these relatively quickly. 
How do we actually do this? Now, I got to tell you, you got to start at the place where you're saying, Jesus, I need some help with my feelings because I'm, I'm feeling apathetic. I'm feeling like I'm not fired up about this. So, Lord, will you help me? Because my feelings keep me focused only on what I can see right in front of me. Only what's going on right now in my life at this time, what I'm dealing with at work, what's going on with my family or my kids, what I might be struggling with. Maybe I'm just feeling sad or I'm just at a kind of a low time or whatever it is that's making me feel apathetic. Lord Jesus, I need your help to stir up in me an emotion that goes beyond my feelings and keeps me locked in on my faith. Y'all, that's not my idea. Listen to what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now that is simple, but it is powerful. If we walk by sight, we are walking by our human nature, our human abilities, our human senses. If we walk by faith, then we are walking by that which is from above. The Bible, biblically, the Greek word for above or from above is anothen. And it's also the same word that is the word for spirit. So that which is from above, that which is from the spirit of God, is that which will guide us best that will stir up in us the feelings that we need to get beyond apathy and have our faith guide us and actually be the thing that brings us strength. And most of this relies on us getting our focus off ourselves and on to Christ. Now you know this, the vast majority of folks that are gathered today, you know this. But you also know you struggle with it. You also know it's a challenge. we got to get to the place where we are serving the Lord and giving Him our all in spite of how we feel. Because it becomes about more than a feeling. And I'm so thankful for the people in our church through the years that have modeled this. I could count a million folks. But I think about the folks that have served faithfully here for years and years and years. Many of them dealing with chronic pain or some other debilitating issue. But nothing keeps them from serving Jesus. And sometimes serving Jesus means they're simply here. But their interaction, their hug to somebody, their encouraging word to someone is a powerful and beautiful act of worship because they got up and got themselves here when it was hard for them, when it was literally painful. Maybe they were feeling, I mean, I know for a fact, folks that struggle with depression. But overcame that to get up and make themselves go to church. Because they knew that there was value in it, not just for them, but for somebody else. So when they did that, they were overcoming their feelings. To the glory of God. I know... We've got folks in our church, true story, that will finish a cancer treatment on a Friday and show up here on a Sunday to greet somebody at the door. That's overcoming apathy. That's overcoming excuses. 
making a reason why we don't have to do something. And let's just be honest, in a lot of ways, COVID is legitimate as it is. And I can tell you it's legit if I've, I've had the experience. As legitimate as it is, it's also, for a lot of us, become the new excuse to not do something. Oh, can't do that. Sorry, COVID. It's usually something we don't really want to do anyway. Let's just be honest. Oh, you need me to serve in the nursery? No, nah, man, COVID, y'all. Sorry. Sorry, right? I'm not saying that's true to everybody. Hey, going to go to this game or you're going to, you know, uh, go out with friends. Oh, yeah, well, it's probably fine. It'll be all right. Go do that thing I don't want to do? No, nah, I don't know about that. COVID, right? Let's just, I mean, let's just be honest. Like, we got to be, we got to be speak truth here, y'all. So my point in all of that is not that there aren't legitimate reasons around a pandemic for us to not do some things. Sure. I mean, absolutely. Be careful. Be safe. All the above. Make sure you hear me saying that. It's only when we use anything as an excuse to keep us from doing the thing that God wants us to do. We just can't allow it. I think about the people that are stuck at home because they have health issues. And some of those folks, man, they feel lousy in the mornings, and it's really tough for them to get to church. I, these people really exist. I mean, I was thinking about them in the preparation of this message. But they, as one of their acts of worship, will take a thousand eggs for our Easter egg hunt and stuff them because they still want to be involved in the work of the Lord and in his church. Y'all, that's, that's overcoming apathy. And that's the thing we all have to look at. And whatever way it manifests in our lives... Let's be sure we're all looking at it. Because that spiritual growth and the spiritual fruit is going to come when we take our eyes off of ourselves and we put our eyes on to what the Lord is doing and how he is using and blessing other people through us. We get to be a part of that. So it's a combination of all those things. But it starts with saying, Jesus, help me. Second thing is, it's still kind of talking to Jesus about this because you need his help in this too. But you got to ask him to decrease your pride. Yeah, again, you got to get to the place where you're recognizing, I can't fix myself. I'm not going to fix myself. After the amount of time that some of us in this room have been alive, you would think that we would figure out me trying to fix myself is not a great plan. Because if I was any good at it, I'd have already done it a long time ago. But I just consistently struggle with me. And lots of times, I am the problem. And Lord, I need your help. Because I can't do this on my own. I'm clearly not getting this right more frequently than, I'm, you know, than, I, than I should be. So the main culprit is often us in our apathy. And we're like, we just find ourselves sleepwalking through our faith. And again, that's a crazy thought because we serve the God of the universe. But that we would sleepwalk through our relationship with him and through our worship. And, and the idea of spiritual growth itself, that we would come to any of that with apathy, it blows my mind. Yet I've done it. I've been guilty of it. And I have to get the Lord to fire me up. Like, Lord, wake me up out of my apathy. Give, give me past my sense of pride that thinks that I've got it all together when I know good and well I don't. Jesus, illuminate my eyes so that I see this. But it becomes easy to just settle in, to just go through the motions. I'm a Christian. I, I go to church. I read my Bible once in a while and... That ought to be enough to keep me firmly 
rooted in the most important thing in my life. I mean, it's crazy when you say it out loud, isn't it? That we would think just going through the motions was good enough. Pride comes before the fall, my friends. The Bible makes that clear. And let's not forget, and I mean, heaven forbid, our kids or our grandkids see us sleepwalking through our faith. You talk about something that'll wake you up. I recently got woken up to this a couple of weeks ago. Now, my, my kids know that I love Jesus. They know that I work in the church. They know that I preach and teach every Sunday and in a variety of ways throughout the week. We as a family have done studies together, uh, Devo books and uh, devotional kinds of things. We, we do those things as a family periodically. We don't do one together all the time. But Gus and his mom were walking and they were talking and she was kind of encouraging him about how important it was. Gus is my son. I was walking with my, my wife, Abby. And she was encouraging him about how important it is that he reads his Bible every day. Because, you know, we're trying, we've been trying to instill this in our kids. And just like your kids, they're not always consistent with it. Just like you and me, they're not always consistent with it. So she was encouraging him in this. And he said, you know, Mom, you seem to take this Bible, thing, this Bible reading thing more seriously than Dad. <laughs> oh, ouch. Okay. And I thought, wait just a minute, son. What are you talking about? Now, and I'm not just talking about, I mean, of course, I read and study the Bible throughout the week in preparation of these messages, and I know my kids know that. But I read my Bible every day. And I thought, why is he saying this? Why does he think this? And then it hit me. Every morning when I'm sitting there reading my Bible on my Bible app, on my phone, as far as he knows, I'm messing around on Twitter or Facebook. And sometimes I am. But I'm reading my Bible every day. I have the app. It guides me right through it and do it. We've done it together as a church. But I realized that his picture of that was not of me taking seriously my daily Bible reading, even though I was. I was getting no credit for it in his eyes. So I realized I had to humble myself in that. I could have just gotten angry or frustrated by that. I can't believe, but I didn't. What I decided I'm going to do is I'm going to actually open up a physical Bible at the countertop each morning. Now, I might put my phone on it because I'm still using the app because I'm keeping track of things that way. But I'm going to make sure they know that this is what I'm doing. I want my kids to see that in me. And, and when that level of something like that gets exposed in your life, don't allow pride to be a thing that keeps you derailed from spiritual growth. Because I, I could have done that. I don't always get this right. But I could have done that. But instead, I was like, no, I, I'll do whatever it's necessary that my son and my daughters not have that impression of me. That they understand that no, I absolutely take it seriously. I'm committed to it every day. What apathy wants is for you to be comfortable and stay the same. To just lull you off to sleep. And you just find yourself going through the same old motions. That's what, that's what Satan wants for your life. Love to keep you in that place. And keep you in that prideful place of, No, no, I know the Lord. I'm good. I got it going. Don't worry. I'm all right. No, you're not. No, you don't. Pride comes before the fall. Look, turn, turn in your Bibles in Hosea 13, 1 through 6. 
Let's go to the Old Testament and learn an example here. If you've got a Bible with you, you're looking it up on your phone, or it'll be here on the screens. Hosea 13, 1 through 6. This is really critical. The Lord spoke this to me, and I just thought it was really good, a good example of what we're talking about. It says, When Ephraim, who was an adopted son of Jacob, y'all, by the way, uh, you know, we know Jacob, one of the great heroes of the faith. It says, When Ephraim spoke, men trembled. He was exalted in Israel, but he became guilty of Baal worship and died. Now, Ephraim had been given this elevated status by his father Jacob. He and his brother Manasseh had been blessed by Jacob and had been given, uh, uh, they basically adopted into Jacob's family and then made a full tribe. So we know about the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So stay with me on this. So he blesses, Jacob gets called at the end of his life to bless his two sons. And he blesses Manasseh and he blesses Ephraim, who we just read about. But Ephraim was the younger brother to Manasseh. And what would usually happen is a man like Jacob like this, as he was blessing his sons, he would put his hands on them and he would bestow this godly and fatherly blessing upon them. And so he gets called to do this and this is exactly what he does over these sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. But normally... He would take his right hand and he would have put it on Manasseh, the oldest son, and his left hand, his non-dominant hand, and put it on to Ephraim, the younger son. Instead, he actually crosses his arms like this, the Bible says, and blesses them and puts the right hand on the younger brother. Now, this was so weird. We know this was weird biblically because Manasseh, the older son, is like, no, dad, you're old and you can't see. You're messing this up. I'm actually over here. And he went to grab his father's arm to move it over so that he got his you know, highest level of blessing. And Jacob was like, no, no, I've got my hands exactly where I mean to have them. Okay, so this is, I tell you all this so that you understand that biblically, when we're talking about Ephraim, this was a blessing over this people that God was bestowing that carried for generations, so much so that subsequently the sons of Ephraim, generational, 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 people like Joshua and Jeroboam came from the tribe of Ephraim. So there were these great heroes of the faith that were still a part of this lineage and this line and this blessing of God. Okay, I hope you're tracking with me on this. But then, they who had once had this great status, this this great uh, respect amongst the people, when the name of Ephraim was spoken, people were uh, in awe and they listened because it was godly, it was biblical, it was blessed by the Lord. And then it fell apart. And it fell apart for the same reasons that you and I frequently fall apart. We forget about God. We fall into pride. And we think we've got it all going on. Look at verse 2 here, y'all. Because back in verse 1, you remember what it says. He was exalted in Israel, but he became guilty of Baal worship. That's worshiping false gods and died. Now they sin more and more. They make idols for themselves from their silver, cleverly fashioned images, 
all of them the work of craftsmen. It is said of these people, they offer human sacrifice and kiss the calf idols. Think about how far they've fallen there, y'all. Therefore, they will be like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, like chaff swirling from a threshing floor, like smoke escaping through a window. But I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the desert, in the land of burning heat. God is reminding them of who he is and what he's done. Now stay with me on this verse. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. Y'all, if that doesn't start to trip some warning signs in your own life, some issues that you and I have had ourselves, then I probably lost you a ways back. But you got to come back now because you need to not miss this. This is the Lord speaking to us today. Listen. When I fed them, they were satisfied. Lord, you blessed me, taking care of me, got a place to live, got a job, got kids, I'm blessed. I got so many things in my life. I got more toys than anybody could shake a stick at. I got this and that going on. Everything is good. Lord, you've been so good to me. But here's the fear. Here's the problem. Here's the tripwire. When they were satisfied, they became proud and they forgot God. You know as well as I do, when things are flowing smoothly in your life and things are going great, you talk to God a lot less frequently than when things seem to be falling apart. When you're worried, when you're fearful, when you're concerned, when you want something fixed that's not right, whatever that is. Then what are you doing, man? You're hitting your knees. Lord, where are you? God, I need your help. This is so hard. God, won't you help me? Things are good. I'm smooth sailing. I got this whole thing lined up. Every ducks, All the ducks are in a row. Things are good. Man, I, I got this. Y'all, that, that's the thing that ought to make us scared. That's the thing that ought to wake us up and fl- have us fleeing from that kind of an apathetic attitude. Lord, take my pride away from me, Lord, and help me know that every day, every breath that I draw is a breath that I am drawing in need of you. I need you, even for the breath in my lungs. If we would approach our day that way, man, we could burn off some apathy, friends. Final thing is this we got to ask Jesus, we got to ask him for his help to increase our energy for him. To increase our energy that, that we pour out in effort at loving him and honoring him and blessing his people. Romans 12, 9 through 11. Let's kick it over to the New Testament now. Romans 12, 9 through 11. It says, love should be shown without pretending. You overcome apathy. You're not going to pretend. You're not going to fake. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Again, I told you earlier, we belong to one another. We have a responsibility to one another. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be what? Still awake? Enthusiastic. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic about saying enthusiastic, y'all. Come on. 
Let's be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the Spirit as you serve the Lord. Did you hear that last line? Mm. Do you want that? Do you want to be on fire in the Spirit as you serve the Lord? I would say we'd all say yes. Why don't we start praying for that every day? So I want you to pray this prayer for me, with me. I want you to pray this prayer with me. But I don't want you to pray it if you don't mean it. If you don't want the Spirit, the fire of the Spirit in the Lord as you're serving Him, don't pray this prayer. Don't pray a prayer to the Lord you don't mean. But if you want that, pray this prayer with me right now. Let's literally say it out loud, okay, with a little bit of enthusiasm. All right, come on now. Make sure y'all are still awake. Here we go. We're going to say it together. Holy Spirit, please stir up in me a holy fire. I want to go beyond my own feelings and my own capacity for love and service. On my own, I am capable of little. With you, I believe I can rekindle a fire in my heart and use me to accomplish much good for your kingdom. Now you can write that down. You can take a screenshot of that. Screenshot. You can take a picture with your phone. I do understand technology. Take a picture of that and pray that prayer every day. Ask God to stir up that level of fire in you for his kingdom. I have to do this for myself before I preach. I have to do this in my preparation for preaching. Because otherwise there would be times that I, and I have been guilty of this, that I've come to this space apathetic. Not as fired up as I need to be. Not as engaged with the Lord as I need to be. Not as reliant on him as I need to be. And I've had to repent of that. Lord, help me. So one of the things I try to do in my preparation, both during the week and on a Sunday morning, as I remind myself of one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 20, verse 9. You, you need to find your own verses that kind of fire you up. This is mine. It says, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot. I want the word of the Lord to be like a fire shut up in my bones. And that if I don't get it out, if I don't say what it is the Lord wants me to say, not what Nick wants to say, and I pray this prayer every Sunday night, every Sunday morning, I get in my car, and the prayer varies, but this part of the prayer never varies. Lord Jesus... Help me say whatever it is you want me to say today, not what I want to say. Every Sunday, you can guarantee that your preacher is praying that prayer. So pray it with me. Help Nick not say what he wants to say. Help him say what the Holy Spirit wants him to say. Every Sunday, I'll pray that. And every Sunday, I have to remind myself of this verse. Lord Jesus, bring a fire in me, a fire shut up in my bones, that if I don't get it out, it will consume me. And that, that fires me up. That gets my mind right, if you will. And I do all that, y'all, because I don't want to be apathetic. 
I don't want to just be going through the motions. I don't want to stay the same. I want Jesus to work on me. People say, oh, that message really stepped on my toes, Nick, and I, I make the same joke to have made it probably to a, a billion of y'all. I say, look, the Lord has been stepping on my toes all week long so I can step on yours for 30 minutes. And it's true. The Lord works on me through his word long before I ever get the opportunity to deliver it. So pray that the Lord will do that in you, that he will wake you up of whatever outside of whatever areas you are struggling with in apathy. When we stay the same, when we're happy with status quo, it is a dangerous place to stay. You guys remember, I'll finish with this story. You guys remember back in the day, you remember, remember Blockbuster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all watched the, the, uh, the Netflix documentary, I'm sure, recently. And like me, I mean, I watched everything else on Netflix, so I watched that too. There, we all remember Blockbuster, you know, there were literally thousands and thousands and thousands of stores and we'd go and we'd peruse the thing and we'd look and we'd pick out our favorite movies, bring the thing, get your movie, all that. We remember. Well, back in 2000, there was a man named Reed Hastings and he set up a meeting with the, he was the CEO of this little uh, foundling company called Netflix and he set up a meeting with the CEO of Blockbuster, John Antiocho back in the year 2000. And he basically presented to him the opportunity for a partnership between Blockbuster and Netflix. And Antiocho, the CEO of Blockbuster, literally laughed him out of the room. True story. Now we know, of course, block, uh, Net, well, Blockbuster's done, and Netflix is like by far the biggest you know, internet traffic Period. Like it's the thing that's taking up the most internet traffic because it's so ridiculously popular. And yes, there is like one barely hanging on Netflix somewhere in Seattle. You can watch the the uh, <laughs> you can watch that documentary on Netflix. Not if not if you can't read it from a blockbuster unless you go to that one. But that's it. Let me think about that. That tells us the dangers of staying the same and thinking the same is going to get us where we need to get to. Staying the same will not get you where God wants you to be in growth. It just won't. We have to ask the Lord to work on us, to change us, to grow us. Overcoming our feelings, breaking free of apathy, and praying that prayer we prayed that the Lord would fire us up, that he would have the top place in our life. So my prayer for you and, and me today is that we will not be happy staying the same. Lord Jesus, work on us. Increase our faith and increase our fruit. Overcome apathy with his help.